What's your favorite cocktail? Um, honestly, I just like vodka straight. <laughs> very Chill, frank. Chilled. I just like it can be. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Doesn't have You're listening to the Restaurant Grind, the podcast of small business restaurant tours. I'm JD, your host, with Matt Patrick, our co-host, and we have Chloe Sexton here, who is a Memphis entrepreneur with over 2 million TikTok followers and the business owner of Bluff Cakes. Thank you for having me. We love the story of entrepreneurships and restaurants, and we kind of wanted to dive into that first, where you got started, maybe your first job in a restaurant, and what took you to owning your own. Oh, gosh. My first job in a restaurant, so I wasn't originally from Memphis, but my first job was in Jackson, Tennessee. And I think the first restaurant was Steak and Shake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was mm, (laughs) lovely experience. I learned really early on. I think I have some of the worst stories, just like as a kid starting out in the restaurant industry. And I say to my friends, you know, hey, remember what it was like working for somebody when you were like 18 years old? And they're like, it was not that bad for me, man. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. That was bad. So I bounced around to places like that. I actually worked at two different McDonald's locations. Is that Um, why the McFlurry was always broke? Yes. Because you were there. Yeah. Yes, because that was me, yes. <laughs> I At the time I was 19, I was in college. Uh, my major was actually broadcast journalism with a minor in political science. And, That's perfect um, for a cookie shop. <laughs> right, isn't it? It's isn't perfect. it so useful? So I would actually, uh, I didn't have a car, so I'd be taking a bus everywhere I was going. And I'd had a radio internship from like 8 in the morning until 4 p.m. And then I had one hour where I could get on the bus and get to McDonald's and work from 6 p.m. until 1 in the morning. And I did that my whole summer and then transferred colleges in between. So I need to change jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was um, that was what I did for a whole summer. So I, I got to see kind of the worst of what I think anybody thinks they have to go through, which is like middle of the night, fast food. Yes, in fact, that ice cream mm. machine is broken. Okay. <laughs> it is. Mainly because we don't want to make them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then I ended up uh, I ended up moving to Memphis. I served at a lot of uh, midtown places, so like Lafayette's, Cafe Olay, just kind of bounced around a little mm-hmm. bit until I was full-time uh, news producer at Channel 3. That's right. That's yeah. awesome. So to get us to Bluff Cakes in your own mm-hmm. restaurant, started baking in your own home. And yeah. how did that transition? I know now over 2 million followers mm-hmm. on TikTok. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so originally I was working in news, but I was you know, 22 years old when I started full time in news. And so they hand you that like, night crawler shift. So I was in work at midnight, out of work at 8 a.m. I pulled wild hours for a lot of years really young. But that also meant that like all the stuff I wanted to do with my friends, they were doing without me. <laughs> because I'm like, it's 9 in the morning. I just got off work. Want to grab a drink? And they're like, no, man, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. It's perfect. Uh, so I didn't really get out much, didn't party. And uh, the news cycle really didn't affect on me. I had this idea that I was going to get into journalism and it was going to be like every hero on NPR and every Anderson Cooper that you ever knew. And especially in the local news cycle, like, no, man, that is not it. You're dealing with a lot of violence and a lot of consistent themes over and over and over again. And especially if you're a 22-year-old kid sitting in a news channel alone, by the way, only person in that building, it can really get to you. So I needed something outside of that. And I had, you know, I had grown up in a really rural area where there isn't a lot to do. And I baked a lot as a kid. I let go of that, you know, when I worked all the time. But when I was left with all of these daytime hours, 
And I only slept in four-hour shifts so that <laughs> on the opposite of my husband's restaurant manager job, I could ever spend time See. with him. So I would sleep, you know, 8 to 11, and then I'd get home from work and sleep from like 9 to 12, and then I'd be awake for the rest of the day. And um, yeah, that's not healthy, by the you way. got bored. No, it's not healthy. I got mm. bored, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to get back into baking. So I did, and at first I, uh, I just created like an Instagram page to share pictures of it and pictures of what I had brought to work because it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. And I worked with like nothing but seven guys. And even if it's bad, they're still going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the crazy thing. They're going to eat it. So I just kept doing that until eventually uh, one of my anchors, uh, Nina Harrelson, she was the first one to order a cake for me. And she was just like, hey, you bake a lot of stuff. How about you put together a cake and like just put a bunch of cactuses on it or something? And I was like, I got you. Yeah. I did not got her. No, <laughs> I did not got her. No, I did not. I didn't know what I was doing. So I went to uh, YouTube University to uh, complete what I didn't understand about decorating and about buttercream styling and about all of that. And she didn't need it for like another two weeks. So I spent that entire two weeks making that cake over and over again oh, and throwing wow. it away and making it again and throwing it away. <laughs> And uh, by the time I presented it to her, it was actually really impressive, but she didn't know how many <laughs> came <laughs> before it. Through. This is version 37.0. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. But you'll never know. That's right. And uh, she loved it. She posted about it, and it kind of launched me into my first taste of like what it is to have somebody influence you. Um, at the time, I think it was at its most powerful, which was like, what year was that? 2018? Yeah, 2018. Um, and so I kept doing it and I kept getting people organically reaching out to me. Um, and it just kept growing from there. And at that time I kind of phased out of TV and I went to work in marketing. Um, and for them, I was just like, I mean, they call you a content specialist, you're a copywriter. And I'd spent all that time writing news. So it was a pretty easy transition actually, but there was a big learning curve as far as like how marketing works on the small scale versus like pay me some advertising dollars and I do this one thing. It can be so much more complex than that, especially when it came to social media. And they wanted to get into it, but they didn't have anybody on staff who was experienced in it. And I was like, how about this? You pay for some courses that I can do while I'm at work in my downtime because I get through my writing vastly quicker than they ever anticipated. And then I can start taking that on for you. So they did. They bought the courses. I did, you know, Hootsuite. I did... Anything that anybody was recommending online, like here's how to make yourself a social media manager, I started doing that and then using it on the clients at Red Rover. Fantastic team. And they're so great. I didn't know you were a Red Rover person. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So not the first office bar I've seen. (laughs) Yeah. No, I loved working with that team. It was amazing. Um, So I would go home and I would apply all the same things that I was learning simultaneously to what I was doing on Bluff Cakes on Instagram. Because I didn't, I still never really thought that like there was a shot that was going to be a moneymaker or anything. Like, it's not a Hallmark movie. It's real yeah. life, and you can't float a life on cupcakes. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, <laughs> I wanted to see how far I could go with it. And Tyler was really more and more like, wait, what are you charging for that? Yeah. You see the sweat building on this man's He's head. Doing and the He's doing the math like, going, I think we're losing okay, money selling that cupcake. Do you know yeah. what the overhead is on that? Yeah. And I'm like, what is What's over what? What's over <laughs> what? Crazy. I sell it for the price. I think it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and he it's was fun, like, not business. But money's not fun. It's real. So we're going to talk about profit margins and what your ingredient cost is and overhead. He and ruined like, it for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> That's yeah, so boring. He, yeah. <laughs> he did. Um, no, but he made me think a little bit more about like the next time. I think it was like another month went by of me doing just like so many custom goods. It was taking up all of my free time. And... I actually sat on like, I think for the first time, I was sitting on like 500 bucks. 
And I was like, this is crazy. I'm taking you to dinner. And he was like, no, you're not. You're putting that in a separate bank account that I just opened for what you're treating like a hobby, but potentially has potential. (laughs) So maybe think of it that way for once. And I'm like, but it doesn't. Like, let's be real. So at that point for our wedding present, he sat me down before he went to Jamaica because it was cheap and it was fun. And um, he's just like, I have a present for you. And he gives me this box. And in this box is like a card with passwords that's got a logo for Bluff Cakes. <laughs> and he had created a, he worked with a graphic designer at Peabody Hotel to uh, make a logo for Bluff Cakes and create a platform for people to like go and order and stop wow. hitting me up in my DMs. <laughs> like, yeah. like, 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 hey, wasn't we don't special. need enough any more guys in your DMs. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, uh, you know, business cards and things that I was just like, what is this? And he was just like, you need to think seriously about what you're doing and the fact that it makes you happy and that there's potential in this and so i'm gonna make you do it and i was like yeah. okay well <laughs> made was, me official it was so cute um yeah and then we got married um but the the tiktok thing and everything else that came a little bit later i think tiktok's still a little bit new to everybody and i i was floating in that like i have a website and i do these things but there were no giant cookies and there were no giant numbers or anything else and I think I definitely for a while hit a plateau of just going like, that's ah, really sweet that he thought that, but and it's what it is. It's still just something that makes me happy. So I'm going to start stressing out about it. This was just my happy thing. Well, then I lost my job, not at Red Rover. Love that team. I left them for a job in nonprofit because I just really still wanted to be, I don't know, a world changer in some way. I think a little bit of me was still holding on to that thing that I didn't get out of journalism. And like three days after I told them that I was pregnant, uh, they fired me. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Just dropped me on my butt. And it was shocking, to say the least. Um, at that point, I had already built a little bit of a following on TikTok. So I had maybe like 100,000 followers. Maybe like, you know, just like 100,000 yeah. followers. Like that's In the fun. scheme of I like TikTok. Like 17. <laughs> 100,000. <000. laughs> it's great. Like 10,000, they say, followers on TikTok is like... Uh, 100,000 on Instagram. So Instagram is still vastly more powerful to reaching your audience mm. than TikTok can be simply because the For You page is just drowning people out. You're not really yeah. seeing the people you follow consistently, whereas Instagram yeah. caters that for you. Um, so there's reasons for that. <laughs> um, no, but it, it wasn't something yet that I had really done anything with, and I couldn't profit from it anyways. If I saw this customer base who loved my baking, I still couldn't reach them. So um, I lost my job. I got really scared. I had just bought a house. And all of which made for a fantastic recipe of panic. Yeah. And uh, so I'd already kind of put out a menu out there for fall. And because this was in, this is the week of Thanksgiving. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I put a cap on all those pre-orders. I'm not going to do that anymore. There's no cap. And I made that announcement online. And boy, did they fill it up. Oh, I must have made like 60 pies in the span of two days <laughs> in my house. And just kept snowballing from there and that bled into Christmas. But getting closer to Christmas, as much as like I was taking on as much as I possibly could. And I was also getting increasingly more pregnant, mind you. Um, But it was still scary. And I was still doing my best. And Tyler was pulling his weight, not only working full-time job, you know, 60 to 70 hour weeks in a restaurant. But coming home and helping me figure out how to do things like taxes and how to do things like I don't know, the legal stuff he does, that stuff. And um, I was just there having a great time panicking every single day. But um, I started messing around a little bit more with, let's say I could ship something. Let's say I could make it profitable. And he was like, you can't, it's not going to happen. 
It will not happen. And this is the one thing that I like to hold over him is that when it came to the giant cookies and I started showing them on TikTok and being like, but what if it wasn't just a giant cookie? I also put like a full ounce of peanut butter in the middle. Yeah. And Tyler's like, that's disgusting. The world didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. Man also hates marshmallows. So like, what can we trust? Yeah, can't trust him. It's weird. Doesn't like s'mores. I mean, like, yeah, it's weird. So I, I found out a way. I wanted to launch it on New Year's Eve, and I found a way to do, you know, sealable packaging, follow cottage food law, get it out of the state, um, keep packaging relatively cheap. It definitely got a lot cheaper, but something I could just afford out of the Bluff Cakes account and put up like a dozen of each cookie on New Year's Eve and like put it up everywhere that I could and talked about it on TikTok. Um, I also started offering for them that they could watch me make them because I was still making them from home and I got a chance to educate people about cottage food law because trolls are real. And they're going to yeah. be like, I'm not buying something you baked in your house. I'm like, that's so crazy because the state of Tennessee says I can. So, mm, yeah. um, and they sold out. They sold out in less than a day wow. and it just kept going from there. Eventually a video went viral while I was uh, making them on live and we had never put a cap on the website. So like you could technically sell out of something, mm -hmm. but if somebody had it in their mind, they could buy more and it just would not stop. And he kept trying to call me and call me and call me online um, on, over our Alexa, even, and I'm on live. I'm like, he's so quirky, <laughs> funny, unplug it. <laughs> and then he started getting in the comments being like, you know, you have to stop right now. There was like 12,000 people on live. And he was just like, you have to stop right now. We have a problem. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the problem? It's fun. <laughs> Um, we had sold 14,000. We don't have 000. a way of making the cookies that you're selling. <laughs> no, yeah. At that point, I had sold 14,000 cookies in the span of an hour. And we were like eight or 900 orders deep. And he was like, this is really bad. You're going to get such a bad reputation. I'm like, I'm not. Because first of all, I'm pregnant. Win. Second of all, I you cried. played the sympathy pregnant card right away. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah. And also, I was just like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to just be honest. So I'm going to get online and be like, hey, I never knew that was like a possibility for me, but you have no idea the launch that you just gave me and the way that I can put that back into the business. So as long as everybody's cool and patient, I'm going to work on an email campaign right now to tell you the exact same thing with a link to this video telling you this. Um, it's going to take me a couple months to get these out the door, man. There's one me. Yeah. And they were like, no, that's cool. Out of all of those like 800 some odd orders, I refunded two. Wow. And they never saw the video. They never saw the email campaign, anything. Because I wanted to know, is this personal to the entire That's time? Awesome. Nobody cared. But I also stayed consistent with showing them like, hey, today I got like 400 more out the door. I got those orders out the door. And I work like 12 to 14 hour days. I'm pregnant. Can, yeah. I, can I just reiterate that as <laughs> yes. many times as possible? It was yeah. bad. Um, no, they were super understanding. And by the time that um, we were ready to like, you know, oh my God, they're all out the door. It's been like two and a half months. This is crazy. Now July 4th cookies. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so by then it was like a month before Theodore was born and I did my restock and we sold out in like six minutes. And that was of like 500 cookies. And then the following week I did it again. And then finally we were like two weeks out from Theo being born and I just couldn't even stand up on my marshmallow feet anymore. It was <laughs> yeah. bad. Um, so I did have to take a pause and I was super scared when we came back that I would like lose that edge because... Um, I wasn't keeping up with it. You're yeah. talking like two to three videos a day. Mm -hmm. That is what the demand is. And it got a little bit scary, but like, so I went back to work two weeks after Theo was born and um, we, ha we have a live that uh, went viral, just like pieces of it that we still involve in our content of him just strapped to me at like 9 p.m. 
at night restocking everything and they sold me out in seven minutes <laughs> and that was like my largest drop of cookies i'd ever done that was like 1200 cookies that they sold in seven minutes this is out of your house no at Are that you, point we were get... in a commercial kitchen here yep, in memphis yeah. yeah we worked in a couple of them um but yeah 1200 cookies in like seven minutes and i'm just like sobbing in front of people because again i just had a baby i get to do that yeah it never turns off right and and i mean i i think that's when we talk about the grind of a restaurant owner or or any entrepreneur or business owner it never turns off 24 7 yep no and it's and it's something that some people realize before they get in it some people realize once they are in it and go oh i don't know if i want to do that or I'm, oh my God, I didn't know what I bought myself into. I'm assuming you have that same struggle. The toughest part about the business being formatted around the social media is the social media is me. As much as I've tried to get Tyler involved in that, he He's just like, nope. really doesn't want a part of it. And I'm like, I can't blame you. Yeah. I can't. Because imagine your entire personality being a marketing tool. We have to date never paid for advertising. So the entire tool has always been me. So it doesn't matter if I want to take a few days off. If we're on vacation, that's my content for the week. If we're um, having a tough week, that's my content for the week. It's all marketing. And that isn't to say that what I say is a marketing angle. It's not. But continuously showing up and showing people what's going on is the angle. It's just that we are. We exist. And in the same way that people want to watch, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines flip a house like, they want to see every single portion of it. They don't want to see a before picture and an after picture. They want to see them bicker. In the middle. Yeah. yeah they want mm -hmm. to see them bicker in the middle. And they want to see them have differences of opinion on hardwood versus carpet. And all the yeah. minute, like, little stuff. They want to see all of that because it makes them feel like they know them. Um, so the demand is a little bit a portion of it for me. I think the harder one was coming to terms with everything that I shared about the death of my mother and brain cancer and taking on my little sister before we had a storefront. Yeah. So before we had a storefront and a place that people could find me. So before we even opened, though, we were working out of Commercial Kitchen, there was a span of like 10 days after my mom died that several people found the address to that Commercial Kitchen, which I never mentioned the name of. Oh, wow. And to Where's my knowledge, I'd never, been, I'd never been doxxed. No, they came in to talk to me about my mom. Oh. And like, if there's one thing I could do, it's put my head down and work. And I never took a day off of work since my mom died. But it's not fair, man. It's still my place. Yeah. yeah. And, but they don't see it that way. They, they draw what's called a parasocial relationship with you. And they feel like they actually do know you. And that, well, if you don't want people to just show up randomly at your place of work, then you shouldn't put it all out there. It's almost as though you're not allowed to have boundaries anymore. Yeah. The same has happened at Target. The same has happened now in our storefront where it's come to the point where it's like, hey, man, uh, I know you can see very clearly through that window covered in what feels like rice paper yeah. that that is Chloe right there. But she's not here. Yeah. She's not here. 100% of the time. And like I do, I make exceptions, especially when I can tell it's like, hey, Chloe, this group came from like Australia. <laughs> They're like literally here from Australia. <laughs> Could you maybe? So I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the thing. It's fine. I'm going to do the thing. Um, but it's tough to not get that opportunity a lot of the times, especially if you're just minding your business, going about your life, and then you feel like you have to turn it on. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I'm not having a great day. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm going to snap at you. <laughs> But I understand the effect that that could have on so many other people than me. So you just. Yeah. <laughs> Smile and nod. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't even imagine that. Like, that makes me cringe. Like, I'm like, that makes me 
have super anxiety right now. And I'm like, I'm assuming that was something that you didn't expect or think about when you started this whole thing. It was just really just getting out there. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, I did not. I'm a real homebody. I like to visit my local library. Yeah. Um, I just got my Germantown library card. I've had a Memphis card for years. Um, yeah. And I, I like, I like being alone and I didn't anticipate, I don't know, not to say I wasn't always a bit of an extrovert. We wouldn't be here if I wasn't, but, um, but I also like to be very quiet. And yeah, alone. <laughs> extroverts still need that. Yeah. I always think of a tank, like the extrovert. My extrovert is a tank. I'm generally an extrovert, mm-hmm. it, but it's a tank that goes to empty. That I have to go. Okay, I'm empty. I've got to go. Find, gotta go recharge this. Yeah. My tank's been empty a really yeah, long yeah, time. Yeah, I know. It's hard. That's why. The, that's why you're like all inclusive resort. Yes, I love it so much. <laughs> Brain turn off. Yes, yes, I love it. And yeah, your journey is amazing. It's super fun to watch. Um, you're going to have this wonderful time capsule or, you know, the story of your life is, is going to be out there forever. Your kids or your grandkids or great grandkids are going to see this story one day. It's pretty, I'm sure thinking about that stuff, you're like, oh, well, like there'll never be another, like a generation that doesn't have the yeah. ability to do that, you know, where their grandkids can watch them basically through that whole journey in real time. It's just, it's pretty cool to think about. Really special. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by the Memphis Restaurant Association, the Mid-South's key advocate for restaurant owners, managers, and employees alike, promoting the best dining experiences Memphis has to offer. The Restaurant Grind is hosted by Patrick Accounting and Works, looking to simplify those time-consuming back office tasks that keep you away from running your business Outsourcing your accounting, payroll, HR, or insurance administration can give you the freedom and relief to focus on what you really want to be doing, whether that's growing the business or spending more time with your family. How's that sound? Check out PatrickAccounting.com to get started. One of the things that this podcast is about is we all go through these daily issues or mm. stuff in the business on like, okay, here's what we're like trying to figure out right now. Mm. And I know you've had some stuff recently with how the algorithms change or, you know, what, like, we're not getting the reach we used to get, but mm-hmm. like, what are some of the things that you guys are struggling with right now that, uh, trying to figure out? So we see these huge highs during holidays and some of them, it's like totally nothing. So you get a July 4th weekend, nobody's going out to eat. They're all barbecuing. They're gone. Um, and I see a lot of other restaurant owners here in the city talk about it. You know, Kelly English is really open about certain, um, holidays where it's just like, Hey. Everybody in the city, if you're still in the city, buckle down and go to a small business because, like, that's really important. So it can be so addicting to see these, like, huge sales highs and then come down from that the week next. And you have to almost retrain yourself, like, no, that was the normal. That was the exception. And I have these conversations with my husband a lot because he'll be like, see, now we'll have these sales this high every single week. And I'm like, we won't. And you need to start thinking that way. But when it's not a holiday, make one up. Yeah. So we had a really successful, there was this back to school lull and I was like, all right, we're going to get creative. We're going to do something. And one of the first things that I always did with social media was like, get on a calendar and find out what the national day is. I know that sounds kind of lame, but like, like you can really make something. Or the yeah. Ice cream day national dog day, national yeah. ice cream day. How can you work that into something that is niche and available for this like small amount of time? Um, and I saw a Harry Potter's birthday was coming up. And I was like, we could do something about that. You know, I've seen other bakeries kind of lean into a little bit, but we're going to go all in. Mm. And I made that decision in the span of two days. 
So it was like, oh, his birthday's day after tomorrow. Oh, crap. We got to do a lot. I wrote a full <laughs> menu at 11 p.m. And that's been not only that, but like I was like, you know, we're going to run this Friday, Saturday. We're going to make pastries that look like the letter Ronald Weasley got from his mother. <laughs> Ronald Weasley. Um, we're going to make, you know, howlers. We're going to make um, sorting cupcakes, um, all of that. We're going to do everything themed that people want or even suggest. I left open suggestions on our Instagram. Like, what would you like to see? And I worked them into the menu. Um, and that was one of our highest sales weeks since we opened. Wow. And just creating something out of nothing. And when I saw the turnout we were getting for the first two days, I decided to go on social media and be like, guess what? I'm going to extend this till Monday. <laughs> Mondays are slow days, man. Yeah. Most bakeries close on Mondays. We don't. Um, so yeah, staying flexible and not really committing to like one thing and one hard menu within the first two months of me going like, and every few weeks we will launch our monthly menu and we will stick to that menu. We will only do that. Eh. Yeah. I don't really feel like a little boring. It gets a little boring, but also the amount of people that I would see where it's just like, didn't I see you just three days ago? And they're like, yeah, I just wanted to come in and see what you have that's new. I'm like, oh. I didn't anticipate that because <laughs> I've never done this before. But just pivot. Just immediately pivot. And once you find out something that works, then you can keep growing with that and expand on those ideas. But just don't stick to one thing the whole time. Yeah, even taking that feedback from your followers yeah. and everything and making that more personal to mm -hmm. them. Like, oh, yeah, I will do that for Harry Potter Day. Like, mm -hmm. that is a really good it's idea. It's nice tie-in for school books. It's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Yeah. Good I really timing. like it. And um, it was all adults, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I know the demographic of, the, of, a, of a Harry Potter fans. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know that. And then uh, seeing that that was a success, I'm going to do it again in October because it's October. Everybody thinks of Harry Potter anyways. Yeah. And October is already such a full, like, at the end of the day, my main demographic is women. I'm talking like 90%. It's women. And if you look at our social media, you get a full breakdown in your analytics of what percentage it is. And I'm like 97% women, 3% men. So I know I'm doing something right. <laughs> and Wait, there's a whole, that means you have 97% more men to get. Do I? Yeah. yeah. I mean, football season time. Yeah, that's Sorry, right. Man. Football cookies. Keep that sports ball talk <laughs> over there. Uh, sports ball. <laughs> Go sports. Um, no, I just, I, then I look at those analytics and I understand that person and I'm like, women like Harry Potter. They want to see it again. They do. I know these ladies. You're going to have they, a 50 shades of gray day at some point, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> Let's, I have better, better taste than books than that. Yeah. Um, no, they want to see, uh, they want to see spooky Halloween stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're Hocus married? Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Exactly. They yeah. want to see themes against that as much as I can. And to really, you know, load up on that before probably the most boring month of the year, which is November. Nobody cares about Turkey Day, man. It's pre-Christmas. That's football day. What do you mean? It's you understand egg bowls then? There's all kinds of stuff. No, dude, every year, November 14th, all of our Christmas stuff goes up, and that's not me. That's my husband. Yeah. And his vast porcelain, tiny light-up house collection that he brings out every Christmas. Hallmark, the Hallmark, little Hallmark houses, the Victorian villages type yes, stuff. Yes, oh, they have yeah. to be porcelain. Yeah, we have some of those in our house. Those are not mine, but they're definitely my wife's. The fuses in those are so old. <laughs> so old. It's a fire hazard. Yeah, they're going to burn. And mm, he burn loves it. it. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> you talked about one of the happiest times of your day is getting into the bakery, seeing your employees. I've been in there myself with my wife m multiple times, and... What we do see is your employees being very happy and so glad to be there. So how do you keep that and combat the labor shortages that everybody's really seeing? I'm not going to lie. It does help to be on social media and to make everything look fun. So you'll definitely attract people, but I've only ever kept the people that actually work because it is actually a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you incorporate a lot of them into your social mm -hmm. social too. I mean, you, With their consent. 
Yeah, but like you know, you have a couple of your employees that have been there for a long time, but yeah. their 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 story is cool too because you're seeing their day in life. No, we have a we have a solid team, some really cool people, and um, we don't just keep it just to work. You know, if we're having what this past Memorial Day, we bought a cornhole tables yeah, for yeah. i've never cornholed in my life <laughs> see you're getting the sports here we go that's the <laughs> that gateway not a it's, a ga- it's a gateway it's a gateway full of beans uh, it's, it's on espn yeah, now it counts that's tragic <laughs> um but we'll we'll invite them over and say like you know we're buying burgers we're doing all that and it's not an obligation they know this isn't like a work event it's a holiday come they come over because they actually want to yep. and they end up staying at my house till like 11 p.m because we're just cutting yeah. it like yeah. we're we're having fun um but i think it's also really important that I'm consistently che- checking up on their needs, making sure that like we don't have a relationship where you need to feel as though you need to impress me. If there's area for improvement, I'm going to be very direct with you and you're going to be very direct with me. Um, I don't want anybody telling me in my whole life that something that I've baked is really, really good when it tastes like sand. Like yeah. that's never, that will never, never help me. Um, I need you to, so I have only kept people around me, especially in our staff who know for a fact, I am very good at taking criticism. Yeah. That's definitely something different that you don't see in all the restaurants. So taking care of the employees, definitely something special. And you can tell when you walk into your bakery. Thank you. Just wanted to mention that book you're working on yeah. and seeing how that came to fruition. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a two year process, um, which was not on anybody's fault really it was the combination of the business growing and of losing my mom and just taking on like bouncing around hospice care and surgeries and everything else um but when they approached me two years ago you know I didn't even have a bakery you know I had a following but it wasn't verified it wasn't over two million um so really more what they had approached me for was not only that I was sharing and openly creating and giving away recipes whenever I could but um they just felt like it had a good personality to it and they wanted more pieces in in food because this is Macmillan publishing with one of the big five and they wanted more pieces in food that were going to feel like real and tied to somebody that people knew and wasn't just like a list of ingredients and everything else they wanted there to be personality to it yeah so it was it was it was supposed to be really personal which was difficult for me (laughs) that was that was difficult for me um as much as I can talk it I can't seem to write it um and they wanted like upwards of 60 giant cookie recipes. And I wasn't ready to give out, you know, what was mine and what I was making money off of. So they had to be 60 completely new ones yeah. mm. from the like 40 I've compiled and sold. And I'm like, oh, God, that's <laughs> woof. Um, so, no, they were really patient over those two years. They're completely understanding. They moved my uh, my original publishing date, which was like over a year ago, and to this one. And they've been an incredible team to work with. But um, – this is about to be the largest cookbook deal to come out of the city of Memphis. That's awesome. In history. Yeah, that's Congratulations. awesome. And it is. And it's going to be available in Australia, UK. So you're going to go on book everywhere. tour and all that fun stuff? I don't know. I don't have time for a book tour. <laughs> we, like we shut that down New real Zealand, fast. No. All kinds of fun places to go. Uh, no, one of Jamaica my endorsers. Sandals. Jamaica Sandals. Right? One of my endorsers <laughs> is from New Zealand. And I was like, man, I could bring the book to her personally. No. That's a really long flight. And I'm that's busy. Awesome. I'm really way too busy. But um, we just got done hosting an event with Kelly English at Restaurant Iris, which is hugely popular. And he's, of course, way better known chef than me. Um, We got to do a four-course dinner, you know, cocktails. I did a baking demo for everyone's dessert and then just signed books. And it was absolutely magical. 
Sounds awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast and letting us get to know about your story and the restaurant grind on your end. So thank thank you you. guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the restaurant grind. If you did, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating on your podcast player. Doing so helps our stories inspire more people in their restaurant grind journeys. We'll see you next week.